1: What is up? Welcome citywide, statewide, nationwide. It is the line to gain. I'm the big O, Jerry Ostrowski. She is Sarah Marshall. We're back Marshall. on a Marshall. Marshall. Why did I say Sarah Marshall?
2: <laughs> I'm I, just I, messing with you, Jerry.
1: <laughs> Sarah Larson. I I told you already. I, I know what my problem is. You have it's, to see this gives you a this gives you insight into what we have to deal with when uh <laughs> when we get to a certain point in life. yeah
2: yeah no i'm just but, messing with
1: you uh, oh no you you need to mess with me that's totally <laughs> that's totally appropriate in this situation she is sarah larson thank and you she is in miami <laughs> she was in kansas city last week for the draft i'm down here in tulsa once again it seems like when we do this vidcast it rains in tulsa so it's raining again oh wow but, um yeah it is it's raining again but uh I must Happy be bad luck. Into spring? No, I don't think you're bad luck. I think it's one of these things where um you have to understand spring in Oklahoma. It gets it gets nuts. So with rain comes tornadoes, with tornadoes mm-hmm. comes all kinds of stuff. It's 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 lovely. But hey, before we get too into this, hit that like button, smash the subscribe button. Uh we in season are here every Thursday night at nine eastern eight central we moved up a little bit today we got some here's the thing folks we got families man we got stuff we got to do we got obligations um so uh' we're yeah here I'm all excited all uh,
2: my son comes home from college I haven't seen him in four months so I'm looking forward to, to picking him up from from the airport in a little bit and then we go on a cruise next week so it'll be fun
1: well see you get to go on a cruise. My oldest boy's here. He's out recruiting. He's uh, recruiting for uh, Drake University. And then my other boy that plays at TU, him and five of his buddies and one of the buddies' parents, they own a cottage over in Northwest Ireland. They're driving right now to uh, – they're going to be in Chicago tomorrow hopping on a plane and going to Dublin. They're spending 10 days in Ireland, so uh, very jealous of what they're getting ready to do
2: yeah yeah I would I I mean Ireland's one of those places that's on my bucket list, so I can imagine.
1: yeah, I can handle Ireland. I like Scotland. Um, I'm not very much into England. My wife is, but um I can do I'll it. I'll find
2: out this year. I've never been to London, so uh, it'll be the first time so I'll find out if I like it or not. <laughs>
1: I'll tell you that it's gonna be packed. It's gonna be sold out. I mean everybody I talk to yeah. mafia wise, most of them are going. Yeah. Um. I will probably stay back and watch it here. I am planning. I am planning my away game. Okay. There might be two away games this year because obviously Kansas City is a three-hour drive for me. But right. there's another away game of significance. You probably could figure it out if you know a little history about me and my background. About well, the Philadelphia uh, game. Yes. Yeah, so I'm trying to get to the Philadelphia game. So um, I've but never. Just let me this-
2: know so I can sit by you because then I don't have to worry about Philadelphia Eagles fans. <laughs> <'Cause> <laughs> well, it's funny. You.
1: What's funny is we played there one year, and my parents went. My parents went to two away games. They went to a lot of away games, but two of the away games they went to one was Philly, one was Pittsburgh. They wore gray. They went incognito. They wore oh, no really? colors. Oh yeah, because you know they understood what it's. They didn't want to. They didn't want to listen to it. So. Um, But anyway, hey, we got a lot going on today. Let's uh, yeah. kind of get on the show. What we're, we're, we're going to do today, what we're going to talk about.
2: Well, first and foremost, I just wanted to kind of share everybody, you know, my experience going to the, the NFL draft. Um, I was extremely blessed this year uh, to be able to sit in the inner circle on day one. Um, and then actually on day two, um, the NFL reps uh, pulled me in for the overfill seats. So I actually got to sit underneath the, um, the stadium, the dome part, uh, both times, both days. So extremely lucky. Um, you know, definitely lucked out. I think it was a little bit, I was with a Mama we call her mama J on, uh, right. on day two. And she's all decked out in like this dress and this hat. And so I think, uh, I lucked out a little bit on day two, but the, um, everybody in the inner circle worked with the NFL reps and they all got us in. And so it was pretty amazing. Um, you know, getting to experience you know, just the the fun part of being with um not only the Bills fans doing it but we're, you sit by division so you know it's Bills Dolphins Jets and Patriots on like a little square um and we have our own little section so we're all you know trash talking with each other but in in a fun way you know um it it's not game time yet so you know we all we're having fun with it but I have a few um photos that I wanted to. Kind of share so people know what it's like. Um, you know, obviously the draft is a free, uh, you know, uh, it's a free experience, um, except for when you get underneath the the actual dome part. They call it the theater. Um, right. Sitting in the theater, you either have to be invited to uh, what they call the inner circle or you have to pay for seats. Um, They're very expensive seats. Uh I, I did it last year in Vegas um, because I wanted I said if I'm going to experience this I want to really experience it. They are very expensive seats so um, for the draft it, it's kind of crazy to spend that much money uh, just to let you know. Um, but if you can go for free, I suggest it it doesn't matter where you are the TVs are huge you can see everything um, and it's just fun you know to be with you know so many different uh, people. Um, but I just wanted to share a couple of, um, of pictures of what it looks like. And then a couple of stories throughout, um, you know, what we experienced. This was when the draft first started and Roger came out and then, um, obviously some, some pictures that have made it throughout, uh, throughout Twitter. I found myself on, um, quite a few Buffalo news, um, pages and different article things. So. I, uh, people were sending me messages left and right saying, you're on this website and you're on this right. website. Um, what was really cool is where the bills were sitting. So the bills inner circle was sitting. So we were right next to the, the families. Um, so you know, me, I'm very talkative. I talked to everybody, um, started talking to, uh, the, the people in the first picture, they were, uh, Anthony Richardson's family. And, um, one of them, um, from Anthony Richards, uh, excuse me, Anthony Richardson's family came up to me and was like, just let you know, huge Buffalo Bills fan. He's like, I live in South Florida. It's, it's hard. And I was like, I live in South Florida too. I understand. (laughs) So, you know, started talking to them. And actually when Anthony Richardson was, was picked, they came up and hugged me before going up to like congratulate him, which was funny. So, you know, you definitely become Kind of friendly with everybody around you. Bryce Young's family, um, you know, came up. One of them came up and showed us a, a, a wallet that he had that had the Bills uh, logo on it. Um, they were, you know, they were great too. Everyone was so super friendly, um, and they were just all excited because they knew what was going on. Um, you know, that day they knew that they were going to get picked soon, and and I actually said to Anthony Richardson's family, "I was like, I think you're going to the Colts. I think I think that's where he's going to go." So. Um, you know, glad to be able to share that experience with them. It was pretty cool. Um, my,
1: um, my, uh, my twins' their PE teacher was in the uh, inner circle with the Titans. He was okay. on TV a couple times, so we got to see him as well.
2: I'm so sure everyone joked with me saying I saw your eyebrows. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw. I,
1: if, if people know Stephanie, I did see Stephanie. Uh, yep. I saw her on there once.
2: Yep, and um, there was one time that I actually stood on a chair. And that was the one time when I was standing on the chair that you uh, could see like my chin because they actually were down. So I I never could win. So I could never get on actual television. Um, but everybody knows Bill's Elvis. His name is John Lang. He was um, voted for um, Bill's Fan of the Year. So he was there. Um, this guy right here, his um, his name is also John. He is yep. the KC Bills backers.
1: Yep. Guy, you met him. him. Yep,
2: got you met him last year. Yep, yep. Yep, and taps. Um. We all got to hold uh, the, the call card for, for Dalton Kincaid, um, signed by Roger uh, Goodell. And then one of the um, the people that were there got to, you know, take it home with them, which was a cool souvenir.
1: You know, what's funny is, is in it, and if you follow Twitter, it depends on if you care about getting picked, spoiled or not. But Albert Breer was tipping everything like five minutes before, ten, almost sometimes 10 minutes before it even was
2: announced. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, the day one wasn't bad, but day two, I was getting alerts on my phone, right. <laughs> like, you know, five, 10 minutes before they announced. I was like, oh, well, i probably shouldn't either silence this or I should act like I know what the heck I'm talking about and call all these t- call all these pics. And so uh, this is obviously not Andy Reid, but it was funny because he actually walked like him and everything. It was hilarious. Um, so you know, we made it on the Jumbotron together and everything. So this guy was cool. He was walking around giving everybody hugs and um talking to everybody, walked around with the Sharpie in his hand, just like you know, Andy Reid would. Really hilarious. There was also a Mike uh a Mike Ditka lookalike with the sweater vest on and everything. Um he was pretty much over in the NFC section. So I saw him once and then couldn't really mingle with him much, but um and, you know it's really cool. Getting to see everybody dressed up and um and everything, uh, especially down in the inner circle, you get a lot of people who dress up pretty crazy and ridiculous uh, to get down there. Um, you have some people that I saw I met last year um, at the Superfans party. I got to see them again this year. Um, you know, all sitting down there, which is really cool. And then um, this was uh at um taps on Maine. Everyone got together. Oh, so you and-
1: were back. You were back at taps on Maine.
2: I went to Tapson, on Maine um, after the after day one, um, and um, in the afternoon, r- right before uh, day two, before I went down for for the draft, and everyone kind of met up there. So this was after de- this was day one after the draft, we all got together, and then obviously I, you know, uh, Ron, uh, Pinto, Ron, or his real name's Kenny, he was there. Um, uh, day one day two he went went to the super fans party um this is mama jay so this is probably why they they pulled us in <laughs> my I was I was very lucky she's been to like a hundred and no two hundred and like thirty games straight um home and away she's uh wow. yeah it's pretty incredible my my 42 don't uh measure up at all compared to what she's done and then um, Kenny, Pinto Ron, he has been um to four hundred and sixty five straight. So um they definitely are our goals, um which I don't think I'll ever attain, but <laughs> it's still fun to to talk with them about it all everything. And then this was my little claim to fame. This, uh, an NFL rep had or reporter had taken this picture and he came over and asked me if, if I wanted it. So he emailed it to me. So I was like, woohoo maybe I'll make TV. And then I didn't. So, um, <laughs> but it was fun. Um, we had a, you know, a great time, like I said, just getting, uh, to talk to the families and getting, uh, to, you know, meet people. Um, there was, uh, one thing I, yeah, right here. So this was one funny story, quick, quick, before we get into everything. So this guy actually lives, um, this dolphin fan actually lives in South Florida. He is a hurricane fan and we are friends on Facebook. Um, And, you know, so I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I look up, I'm like, Derek? And he was like, Sarah? (laughs) Really funny. So he was in the inner circle for the dolphins and we were, you know, sitting across from each other. And then this guy um, I met last year, his name is Joe. I met last year at the draft and I was walking and he was like, Sarah. And I was like, Hey, so it's kind of funny how, like, once you start going to the draft, how you, you know, really start to meet people and, um, and you're never alone. I went, I literally went by myself and I ended up knowing so many people. Um, and then if you didn't know people, you got to know people. So it was uh, definitely a cool experience. I can't hear you. You're muted. There you go. I get so <laughs>
1: into I get so into watching it on TV because of all you know. I like the in depth stuff and, right. and everything else. But I can imagine being there and just experiencing, it, and especially getting the opportunity to sit next to the players' families and seeing how excited they are. And you know, unfortunately, there was some there was some heartbreak as well. You know, um, Joey Porter Jr. goes in the second round, and then obviously um uh the quarterback from kentucky his situation so but you know they went off the board one and two the next day which was nice and if you yeah. really look at it you could say joey porter actually went this junior actually went in the first round because of the one less pick yep, the one less with the pick. dolphins losing there so you know obviously there's a little bit of money that uh that they lost but still i think it ended well for him and um cool experience. That's, that's yeah, awesome. To it to definitely pick. was
2: definitely a cool experience. Um, and, you know, and I actually told myself I'm not going next year to Detroit, but then by the end of the draft, I was like, maybe I will
1: <laughs> <laughs> really curious, really, really curious to see, to see what Detroit does, because I personally thought they did a, a hell of a job in the draft and they, they, they picked players that specifically fit.
2: Yeah, you know, I like Detroit. What
1: they're trying and what they're trying to do, and you know, I think the towns get a little bit, uh, get a little yeah. bit of re-energized as far as, uh, you know, getting behind the lines.
2: Yeah, I'm, um, I'm intrigued to see how Chicago does. I, I kind of liked their draft. Detroit, um, I kind of liked a couple picks on, uh, on Pittsburgh as well. The Steelers, I think uh, they drafted pretty well. Um, so we'll see. I and you know, uh, it's always interesting. We got pretty decent draft grades for, um, for the bills. So I'm intrigued to see how, you know, how we respond to, uh, to what, you know, we picked and hopefully they all play.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
2: All right. So, uh, first and foremost, uh, getting into a few things. So, you know, kind of everyone keeps on talking about, you know, Kansas city and us and Cincinnati all still being the, the three top, um, not according to the jets. They all literally acted like from the moment they were insufferable, by the way, Um, from the moment they got to the draft uh, to the moment they left um, that they have already won the, the super bowl at this point in time. Um, But you know, they went out and they, they uh, ended up signing Cobb uh, to a contract like $3 million guaranteed, which is surprising to me. Um, So he seems like he's going to be on that, that roster. Um, So Pretty much uh, was looking at right now they have Wilson, Lazard, uh, Hardman, Davis, Mims, Cobb, and then they have the tight ends, uh, Conklin, Usama, and, and Kuntz. Plus they have Brees Hall when he comes back, Carter, and then Israel. Um, They actually have a pretty decent, on paper, a pretty decent offense. So I am really on board with the fact, kind of the change of um, – thought process on uh where we are standing with with the tight or with the linebackers right now a lot of people are are kind of confused as to you know what we did there um I don't want to diverge too much from from the topic but um you know I actually think the the Jets in my opinion might have taken a step ahead of the Dolphins um I was kind of saying that they were pretty much tied. I actually think that they might finish with one game more one more win. I should say, than the dolphins, um, they have, they have a decent roster and then they, I think they have a better, uh, defense than, than the dolphins.
1: You know, if you look at, if you look at how it went down, obviously I think the jets do have a, they have a world-class defense. Now they've got arguably the best quarterback, um, obviously he's a veteran, he's been around a while, but when you talk about Aaron Rodgers, you talk about a Super Bowl champion, you talk about a, a first ballot NFL Hall of Famer, um, this is a guy that speaks for himself, and you bring him and most importantly his leadership to that football team. You know, is, is bringing in Cobb and doing a few things they've done on offense enough? I don't know, but I do know this. When you have a defense that is is of that count, you're always in games right? so you know I, I, I truly believe the the afc east is the best division in football right now i really do i think it's a murderers row i think that i think miami is probably on paper anyway the fastest team in the nfl maybe next to kansas city but they have speed everywhere you know, the Jets yeah. being physical and, and doing the things they do. They added some help on the offensive line in the second and fourth round. They took Titman, the, Titman, the center from Wisconsin, in the second, and uh, Carter Warren, the uh, tackle from Pittsburgh, in the fourth. Um, you know, they got better in the draft. There is no doubt about it. Sleeper pick for them is our seventh-round pick, the tight end Zach coots from uh, Old Dominion. He's a transfer guy, really, really good player as well. So they're loaded up. I mean, who'd have thought if you look at the division right now, the weakest team is probably New England.
2: Oh, well, I mean, I've been saying that for a while now. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I just don't even put them in the conversation anymore. The only reason why we even talk about them is because of coaching at this point. Cause you know, Belichick, arguably the best coach ever next to maybe Andy Reed. Um, so Obviously he's you know, they they we still talk about him because there's always still a chance. But um the Jets actually are what now that they have Nicole Harmon, um, they're actually pretty darn fast as well. Um in and, and Brees Hall. Um I had did a post on uh Twitter about how fast uh the Dolphins were, and someone was like, Well, what about the Jets? And so I did their top like five or six as well. Um they have like five or six under um f- uh, four or four guys. So Definitely both fast. Um, and that's why I kind of like the change of mindset that we have going in at linebacker. Um, another team that has made quite a bit of offensive moves is uh, is uh, the Ravens. You know, obviously they have Lamar. Now they have OBJ. They drafted Zay Flowers, which most people, a lot of people thought might have been the best, if not the second best wide receiver in the um, in the draft. Um, They already had DuVernay um, and Bateman. They have uh, Aguilar now, um, Andrews, obviously, and then um, Gus Edwards and uh, J.K. Dobbins. And then obviously Lamar as running back as well. So I think that um, a lot of people aren't putting the Ravens in the discussion because they haven't finished um, in the playoffs, you know, like really playoff talk over the last couple of years. Um, But they are with a healthy Lamar. They should definitely be up there as well.
3: Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence and Loom help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually we're great, but together we're so much better.
1: Well, you know, one thing Lamar does for you is you don't have to be as talented on offense as some other teams because Lamar adlibs so well with his athleticism, his ability to run, make plays with his feet. And then also, as we know, he's got a tremendously strong arm. He's a streaky thrower. I don't think he is I notice I didn't use the term passer. He, you know, I definitely believe he's a thrower still. And that's just his style. I mean, you have to, you know, you have to accept it. You have to go with it. And he does so much athletically, it's really hard to it was really hard for me to think that Baltimore wasn't going to find a way to get this done and get him back on the roster. He obviously is. I thought his press conference was really good today. Um, You know, yeah, obviously he's the highest paid, has the biggest contract ever in NFL history right now. But, you know, let bygones be bygones. Understand it was all business. He talked about that today. Um, You know, if you're going to go ahead and represent yourself, you're going to have to have thick skin and understand you're going to hear some things. But this is a two-year process. They got him back in the the mix, and I think that, um, you know, Baltimore plays, you know, again, another team that plays really well on defense, and now you bring Lamar back. You got a few other pieces. It'll be nice to see what – it'll be interesting to see what happens with OBJ um, and how he progresses off of the ACL, but they've definitely gotten better also.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right, when the Bills signed Puna Ford and Latavius Murray, how do you feel about these two signings?
1: Well, I think that I think that the one thing that Bean has done for me is kind of vindicated what I've been talking about for the past three months, which is they've got to get better up the middle. And everything that he's done over the last three to four months is try to strengthen that football team up the middle. I was disappointed um, that I thought maybe we were going to fall into one of these defensive linemen, um, especially uh, Maisie Smith, the one that went to uh, Dallas. Um, we decided to take uh, Kincaid, who obviously top-notch route runner, um, still young in football, hasn't played very much, but his route running and his hands are just are world-class. So obviously he'll do good things for us. But still, that that signing the other day was more exciting to me than, than most of the draft picks we saw.
2: Well, I mean, I thought it was a pipe dream. I mentioned it you know, several months ago, and I said, there is absolutely no way we could figure out how to afford uh, Puna on, on this team. So I'm extremely right. excited. Um, he is one guy that, you know, um, has played both one tech and three tech. So a lot of people are automatically putting him um, behind Daquan Jones. It's kind of like his backup. There will be times where he can be side by side with, with uh, Daquan. So, and I'm, excited I'm not really about- sure he's coming in to back up. I don't think so either, which means that Oliver is gonna kind of be the odd man out. And size-wise, Oliver is the odd man out. If you look at Settle, if you look at Phillips, if you look at Ford, and if you look at um uh Jones, they're all three hundred plus monsters. And then you got, you know, Oliver who's what, two eighty five ish. Um, right. so you know, well, it'll here's be- what you don't
1: under here's what people have to get though, Sarah, and I think this is something that people are overlooking a little bit. When, when McDermott decided to take this defense over, some of the criticisms you heard out of One Bill's Drive, too predictable, we sat in the same front all the time, we weren't multi-front, we weren't moving around. I don't necessarily know if you'll see Ed playing a three technique all the time, or you, you might see him in a four-eye. You might see him maybe even as a, as a boundary end sometimes. I don't think you're going to see him inside as much as he was last year I think you're going to see he's going to be the guy that moves all over the front.
2: I agree. And I actually was going to tweet something the other day, and I was like, people will jump all over me if I say move Ed uh, to the end. Um, but, I mean, I think it's there's, there's a chance there. I mean, obviously, it depends on what um, play is being called in that moment. But um, – but I, I mean, I, I don't see Ed being our interior answer at all anymore. So I actually think but it's, we'll, we'll it's try
1: situational. It's situational. Exactly. That's what I was
2: saying. It depends on what play is being called in that moment. But right. I actually I mean, think we're gonna really try to move on from um from Oliver during um you know during camp and preseason. Uh, we might even take something less. Um, because if you look at the projected fifty-three, no matter who's doing it, it is very hard to narrow this, this, uh, roster down to 53 people. And people are talking about, you know, we need one more piece. We need one more edge, you know, edge rusher, which adds a whole nother, uh, you know, wrinkle to the, the 53 man roster. If we expect that person to actually make the the team. So same thing with Latavius Murray. Um, I right away was like, he'll be on the practice squad. I don't see, I don't see a path for the 53, but the more I've thought about it, I'm actually changing my mind. I actually think he'll be on the 53-man roster, um, provided he doesn't come into camp and and look terrible or or you know something. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to to see how we, you know, cut down this uh, this roster this year. Um, well, I really like the Murray pick. Go ahead. Uh, uh,
1: go ahead. You finish up your your no, thoughts. I was just say no, I'll I really back. like
2: the Murray pick because we don't have someone that big that you know can be you know, the thumper that we need, um, on the short yardage, um, you know, yes, we have Reggie Gilliam, um, Gilliam, but at the same time, he's, he's more of the blocker. in in my opinion. Um, I don't think he's necessarily as good with the ball in his hands. So, um, I like it. I I like the pick, especially for the fact that, you know, it was for basically the, the vet minimum.
1: Well, going back to I want to go back to Ed Oliver and Puna Ford. Now, mm-hmm. Puna, the thing that was intriguing about that is, is it's the first time we've seen Buffalo maybe ever um, had a guy come out and say, I decided to take less money to, to make a Super Bowl run. Um, there's a lot of guys that do that throughout the league. They don't go to cold weather, small market cities. They go to Miami. They go to Vegas. They go to New York. Now, here's a guy that's coming to Buffalo. I think that's a big deal. I think that shows a lot about the organization and also says a lot about what is being said by players throughout the league. So, um, to get that type of guy for less money fills a huge need. Going back to Ed, unless Ed is traded for another player or traded for picks, Ed's not going anywhere. Um, I don't don't think we'll
2: release him. No, no, no. no. I would we we tend to
1: make, I understand, but we tend to make certain people public enemy number one. Ed's that guy right now. Um I think there's a lot of people down on him. I don't think, you know, you don't to me I would not give him a huge defensive tackle contract either. But Ed is still a very very good football player and will produce for us and will be better because he'll be asked he won't be asked to do the things all the time that he's not good at, which is trying think- to take on double teams, trying to hold the A gap right. or B gap and all that stuff. I think that he's going to be able to move in multiple fronts. Use his speed, use his size to an advantage, and I think he's going to be productive just because of what McDermott puts him in situation-wise.
2: Hopefully, I just don't know if it's ten point five million dollars productive, which is why if we can move on, I think that we will, um, because there are other pieces to the puzzle that, again, won't he doesn't quite fit into that fifty-three. If we want other, if we want to keep some other um, players, so. uh, Again, we have no idea um, he could come out and he could have a Tremaine Edmonds type of fifth year. We, we have no idea um, if that's going to happen. And and if he's put in the right situations, maybe he does. And then we can all eat our words and um, be extremely happy that, you know, he was worth the $10.5 million cap hit. Uh, I just don't I, I don't have that confidence for it yet.
1: Well, I mean, like I said, we've got to hate on somebody, and he's new. He's the new target. <laughs> he's the new target, and it's it's quite. Here's the deal: anybody in the league would give Ed Oliver ten point five million dollars tomorrow to have another experienced defense alignment on their on their team. That's how scarce those guys are. Um, I don't necessarily think that. Yeah, ten point five is if you're sitting there trying to count numbers, trying to figure out a way to get D Hop here. You know, right away, yeah, you go to him. It's kind of the same thing I do with Mitch Morse. I love Mitch Morse. You could save some money there. But I think that I'm really intrigued by the fact that our head coach is now going to run this defense. And we're going to get back to an aggressive style, a physical style, a blitzing style. I remember McDermott when he coached with Andy Reid in Philly. That defensive line and that defensive front seven got after it very situational blitz-wise in certain parts of the field. So I think that when you try to ask somebody to do something they're not really good at doing, you know, I think in in a lot of ways Ed's maybe been the good soldier the last couple of years because of what they've asked him to do. I think his situation will be different this year, and I think he will be productive. But I also don't think he's going to get a blockbuster defensive line contract from us. He'll probably be gone somewhere else next year when the open market happens, which is fine, which is fine.
2: The one but thing I, you I, said, Jerry. The one thing you said is that anybody would be willing to pay ten point five million dollars. So either the Bills are absolutely never have even considered trading Oliver, or um, no one has offered that trade because well, if you,
1: why why offer that money when you just are going to sit back and let a team cut them?
2: But we, know, we, that's, we won't that's cut him this smart year. Business. No, no, no. Right. We won't cut him this year. There's absolutely right. no reason. No, but that's my that's my point. There's no way we're gonna cut him this year. So the only way you're gonna get that is through trade. So if someone's willing to pay ten point five million dollars for his contract, all yeah. they're giving up is a what fourth, fifth round, probably. So yeah, it, I I just you know, so I kind of say you're
1: telling me that you know that 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 bean would be willing to take a fourth and fifth round pick for a no, guy who's what, thirteen overall? Hmm. No,
2: that's exactly the opposite of what I'm saying. I'm saying you said that there's teams out there, that, like every team out there would be willing to pay $10.5 yeah. million dollars for an experienced guy. And I'm saying, well, if that's the case, why why wasn't there more talk about him being moved? So either the bills are dead set on not moving him right. or no one offered. So it's, I it's personally one, believe one or the, other. the
1: bills are dead set on not moving him. Gotcha. All that's right. the way I look no. at it.
2: All right. So let's get to the draft. So pick 25. We moved up from 27. Uh, We jumped over Dallas to their dismay. um, Supposedly, Uh, you know, some people are saying that they, they, you know, smoke and mirrors that they really weren't going to pick a a tight end anyways. Um, But we picked Dalton Kincaid with that 25th pick. So what are your thoughts
1: I, I, you know going into this area, you know we've talked about it on the show. we've had we've had conversations at length about it. I was not a proponent of a, of a first round tight end um, but when you look at the caliber of Dalton Kincaid and you look at what he does, um, let's 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 tap the brakes a little bit. The signing of Dalton Kincaid does not put us into 12 personnel. Uh, I made this comment the other week. 11 and a half. (laughs) We're 11 and a half, okay? What (laughs) Dalton Kincaid does do in today's football is a couple things. One is you're going to be able to disguise personnel groups or formations because he can go in and out. So he he can play inline tight end. He can play off the ball, H, motion, run, you know, do those types of things with the zone. He can also go out and run the slot. The thing that's really, really intriguing about him in the slot is with the way football's being played nowadays, where we only have two linebackers 99% of the time on the field, you're going to get some massive mismatches with him in the slot. It should open up digs a little more. It should open up right. um, our other receivers better. Uh, I expect him to have a very good year. Now, the thing that he's going to have to learn to do and I want to, it's really intriguing to me how they play him, um, is I, I think that and without doing extensive film study on him, most young receivers have this problem when they come into the, into the game, it's being able to get off of somebody in, in their chest. He's going to, you're going to see what he's, he's a good route runner, but can he run routes with somebody being physical with him in the first five yards of the line of scrimmage? That's something he's going to have to learn a little bit about as the season goes on.
2: Right. So, uh, Um, Matt, someone here at at rumblings, he, and I told him I was going to steal it from him. He, uh, joked the other day about him not being a wide, him not being a slot and him not being a tight end. He's just a receiver. Um, so, you know, as much as, you know, first thing when we picked him, you know, in my head, I'm like, you know, 12 personnel, here we come finally can have, you know, two tight ends out there and, um, opposite of me wanting darn, uh, Darnell Washington, Um, Darnell was going to be the one out there, mostly blocking and, and Knox was going to be able to open up. I believe Kincaid is mostly going to be in, you know, going to be lined up in the slot. Um, so, um, there was, you know, Beasley got pretty upset when someone compared him to, to Beasley. He's like, don't compare me to a tight end, please. Um, but you know, someone said that he is Beasley in a tight end body. He can run the routes. He has the sure hands He was arguably the best receiver in the whole draft. Right. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see where, you know, where we do line them up. Um, and then Knox, I think is going to have to be a little bit more okay with, um, that blocking role sometimes. Um, because I think Kincaid's going to, to blossom into that number two wide receiver. I think that we are number two option. Let me, let me correct how I, how I put it. I think he will quickly blossom into that, um, number two wide receiver, uh, or option out there. So, um, you know, I think that I'll open up Davis as well. And I'm hoping that he can have a breakout year. Um, but the biggest thing is that, you know, Diggs is going to have a whole lot more single coverage. And I think that that's going to, you know, open up Dorsey's playbook a lot. And we can throw to Kincaid. We can throw to Knox. We can throw to, you know, three out of the four people in our, um, you know, guys in our backfield. I think that, you know, it was probably, if I if I was, Starting to be a little disappointed that we didn't get a wide receiver early, but the more I watched Kincaid, um, I never I'll be honest, I didn't do a huge deep dive on him um really prior because I did not think he was ever going to make it to pick 20, let alone pick twenty five. So um, you know, I, I've I'm intrigued. I've watched a lot more about him. Um obviously I knew who he was, but you only see all the highlights because he was supposed to be such a, a high pick. So um I'm Definitely excited to see what this does for our offense. And then uh, our second go pick. The, let me go say ahead. something
1: real quick about Kincaid. I don't think Kincaid being on the field gives Diggs single coverage. Um, you get single coverage out of having four wideouts, things like that. I think what it will do, I think Diggs, Diggs is still the man. Diggs is still going to get his coverage. They're still going to bracket him. Um, the problem is the football is going to probably go somewhere else. Because of case. guys yep. getting open, you know, I think that's a big thing. But yeah, yep. I think it, it will free digs up a little bit. You are right. But I don't think, you know, what he's going to command is double coverage. I mean, he's just too good. If well, you're in a if single he, coverage, you're going to single cover him the whole game, unless you have somebody like uh, a, an elite or like one of the top three deep corners in the league. It'll be a long day for him. And you.
2: like you said, though, if if he does garner that the double coverage, then you have somebody else that's right. open. Right. So, um, it's going to be up to Allen this year to to you know recommend
1: that. And I, I think the biggest question is: Does Dorsey know how to utilize these weapons? Now, obviously, he's a Miami guy. They had Shockey. They had uh, Winslow. They had some really good tight ends down there. To um, eat you. I know, yeah. So it's like you would like to think that he could utilize the tight end, but we'll see.
2: And maybe he just felt like last year, you know, we didn't have that second, you know, that second end. maybe he doesn't, you know, maybe they didn't look at Morris the same way some of us did. Um, right. because Knox had the same amount of, you know, the, the mafia cast was talking about this right before our show. He had the same amount of targets and pretty much, I think two, um, less receptions this year. Um, than last year, um, what was really down was his touchdown receptions, but right. still, um, I think he's had, uh, nine last year and he had six this year or something like that. Still very highly productive. So, you know, I think we just expected Knox to go crazy. Um, and he didn't. But he was also dealing with, you know, his brother's death last year and maybe he never really got right. I don't know. Um, you know, I know you're not a fan of excuses, so I'll leave the excuses alone. No, that's fine. But, um, I,
1: I agree with that. I, I was I'm a big Knox fan. I, I'm, you know, with with Ed stepping into the role of public enemy number one, it puts Knox in public enemy number two. Because uh, there, for a while, he was public enemy number one. So,
2: well, I, no, think Davis, I, I think Davis still might take that uh, that no, hit. Davis right is now. In a
1: Davis is an, is in his own club. He doesn't even have anybody under him. He's his own elite club. He gets no. <laughs> there is no one in his group. Before history is written, Bobby
3: Orr, behind the net, the and
1: the it's played Tinelli, before it's frozen in time. It's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday.
2: All right. So with the second pick, pick fifty-nine, we got Osiris uh, Osiris Torrance, which was pretty much you know mocked to us in probably 75% of our mock uh, of the mock drafts in the first round. And we got him at pick 59. Um, I'm going to start with this one just because I actually got to talk to him at the senior bowl. Um, And, you know, he was very personable. He laughed and he actually joked. um, Cause I asked him what he, you know, felt like he, would um would play whether or not it would be guard or tackle and he said he's pretty much exclusively right guard and then he joked he's like i don't know if you want to see me at center but if you know if um if need be he's like i would work to be the best center you know uh that you know i can be blah 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 but he you know he did joke um a lot he was very um light with all of the the media and um he not so humbly, um, you know, said um, that he felt like he was the, the best guard um, available. Um, he's, you know, over 3,000 snaps. I've definitely commented on several um, different podcasts. This over 3,000 snaps in college and no career sacks uh, allowed and only two penalties in, um, in four years. Um, my only concern with him really is that he went, he went from a smaller school to, um, to you know, SEC. And unfortunately, the, the Gators didn't have the year that they thought they were going to have. So to me, I don't know um, if we got to see enough or, you know, like the best of him against, you know, people like Alabama and, um, you know, Georgia and um, kind of those those math teams that you like to compare them to. Um but every you know you start watching this guy and the holes that he opens up. I think that this is finally going to be uh, one of those um, moments that we can say, hey, we have somebody not only to protect Josh, but maybe to open up some gaps so that our running backs can uh, actually make a first down instead of going backwards. So um, I liked. I I was super excited about pick fifty six or so. I looked around at a couple of people. I was like, Torrance is still on the board, isn't he? And everyone's like yeah, I was like, that's our pick. I was like, if we don't move up right now. And, you know, I was like, I'm going to be surprised, but if he's still there at 59 and three picks, that's, that's our pick. So, um, you know, every, the second we picked him, I'm on video going, I told you. (laughs) How do you feel about him?
1: I love the pick. I think it's, uh, it's basically another first round pick for us that we got in the second round. Um, a huge man. The best thing that's going to happen to him is he's going to get in that NFL weight room. They're going to work on his nutrition. They'll probably get, cut him up a little bit. They'll get some weight off of him. Maybe put it back on in another way. But I mean, you just can't coach what he has. He has elite size. He has elite strength. Just an absolute mauler in there. And um, you know, I I kind of I don't feel the same way you do about the whole being in Florida for a year. I mean, this guy played against anybody in the SEC basically is pretty good now. Now, granted, if you know he'll get a chance to play against Georgia again this season when he plays the Eagles because they've <laughs> they've drafted the entire True Georgia that, defense, <laughs> so he's going to get the play against Georgia. So we'll find out if he played how yeah, right. he plays against those elites. But no, I mean this is what I've been you know I've just been asking for. Um They just size, strength, just the opportunity to get in there and put hands on somebody and actually physically move them from point a to point b Sarah this also gives you what you've talked about is it gives Bates the opportunity to play on the left side of the ball right mm-hmm. and you know I don't think that McGovern is locked in as the starting right as the starting left guard I mean I think Bates is going to push him I think Bates has a chance to beat him out the I don't only think reason anybody why- we signed is a I don't think any of these phrases we signed are locks as far as playing.
2: The only reason why I disagree a little bit is because, to me, Bates can can play all three interior positions. Yep. So I think that McGovern will start, and I think that um, Torrance will but start. But why does
1: playing all three keep you from starting?
2: Well, I'm just seeing more, more reps. Let's not even say start. So the percentage of reps at each position, I think that McGovern will get the more percentage at at left guard. Um, Cyrus Torrance will get the most at at right guard. Um, And then Bates, I feel like, will play all three interior um, positions as needed. I still think he'll get out there as many snaps. I think the percentage-wise, he'll still be out there as many snaps. But I don't know, and and maybe you can uh, attest to this a little bit more, how hard it would be to rotate um, position throughout the game. But I think that if anyone could do it, it's Bates. He's, he seems, you know, the most proven to be able to, um, to, you know, play each position. I just don't know per game, you know, whether or not that that'll make a difference. Um, But I think that, you know, he's, he's the swing guy. So I, I feel like um, he would come in to kind of spell the other, the other three.
1: Um. I think that you'll see them in camp do this, and this is what I see it. So if you think – so like Torrance will never leave the field. Torrance will get so many reps, he will, he will hate football halfway through training <laughs> camp. He's never leaving the field. He will get every rep known to man. Morris is a guy that doesn't need every rep. So if there's days where they're giving him veteran days off, you'll see Bates over there. I personally think Bates and McGovern will, will trade off first team reps and left guard equally until they decide who, you know, maybe coming out ahead of the other. Or, or if you want to play detective and you look at some of the things that, that Bean has said recently about Bates getting you out of a game at tackle if you need them to, maybe they've already made that decision. I don't think they have. Because yeah. honestly, if you looked at last year's offensive line, what about it gives you any reason to say, okay, we're set in stone. Right. To to me, there's only two well, I guess there's three guys set in stone because you got Dion out there, but more I was, you know, you got Morris and then you got Torrance. Torrance, like I said, he will get every rep possible. So there will and be Mr. some Brown battles in there. At this there.
2: point, he's locked in. We don't have, you know, I. we're not going to start questioning. Well, sir, you,
1: you said something a couple weeks ago that I think was so highly, uh, you, you observed, you said something, you may a statement. It was it was so on point. And I, and I don't know if I brought this up to you before the last show, but I'm going to bring it up again. When you said that Dion got to a point where he looked kind of just complacent or disinterested mm-hmm. or Just kind of like, okay, nobody's here to push me, so I can do whatever I want. I think that's a huge thing. That's the one thing that we miss in this draft, in this offseason, unless one of these other guys comes out of the woodwork and turns into some kind of super tackle. But I wish we would have brought a a, a tackle in to push both of them. Right. Because there's really no competition on our football team at either tackle. And I really wish we did that. Because I agree with you. Dion, when Dion is right, Dion is, is a top, is a top tackle in the league. I mean, this is a pro bowl guy. Um, you know, people are going to say, well, he went to the pro Bowl." Whatever. That a lot of that stuff after a while becomes word of mouth. It becomes kind of just a, you know, whatever it just happens. But I wish we had somebody to push him a little bit. Um, obviously the seventh rounder is not it, but um. You know, it would have been nice, but it'll. I think our offensive line battle is not. It's not set in stone. I think there's going to definitely be some, some, uh, some rotating, some moving around, and some experimenting. This, right. Uh,
2: this I season. think the biggest yeah. thing is whether or not we decide to keep nine offensive linemen, or if we're going to keep ten. Because, uh, you know, at this point in time, um, whether or not we would keep uh, Edwards, um, the guy that came in from from LA. Uh, if we only keep nine guys it's not happening um and then we have uh our seventh round pick um which I also met at the the senior bowl um you know and, and he's he needs a lot of he needs some time uh he needs a lot of work to get to um to you know to be up to par uh, yeah, right my son NFL my team.
1: son actually played against him and actually went one-on-one against him in the game when we played it on miss. Um, he's got to get in the weight room. I know he's a big yep. kid. They talk about his strength. He's got to get some – he's got to work on his feet. He's got to move a little bit. I know that he was the uh, Kent Hole Offensive lineman of the Year uh, down in uh, Mississippi when he's in high school, all of that, which is an awesome story. They gave him number 67 because of it, which is still a little bit uh, weird to me. I never, You know, yeah. that 67 that is kind of sacred. But, yeah, I, I think he, he will be on the practice squad. Unless he comes to camp and just – Right, just shows out like nobody's ever seen. And again, I think he's your definite and, practice squad guy.
2: When you look at the fifty-three, um, and and Matt in uh, in the comments put um Mance in in question mark. I that's why I think you keep Bates as swing because you don't need a you don't need a backup center, um, any longer. All you need yeah, Bates is Bates ain't going anywhere. Well, that's what you know. We don't need Mance if we if we keep Bates right. as that rotational uh, swing guy um, for for all interior all, all three interior positions. And I'm
1: I think I don't know this for sure, but I believe that McGovern has snapped a little bit as well.
2: Yes, he's played all three um, interior positions as well. yeah, So
1: yes, Mance
2: would be. But he's not as good at all three, and he that's self admitted. <laughs> well, so. Well, um, but again, you know, it's it's all you know whether or not they can you know adjust and and make you know make changes and everything else, um, you know, and then I think you have um, I think Tommy Doyle's position might be a little bit of a question right. if we decide to keep um, even if we decide to keep ten uh, and we decide to keep the rookie um, the seventh round pick. So it'll be interesting again to see what they do with these, this 53 men roster. Next time we uh, meet, we'll, we'll kind of go over, um, who I have on, you know, the cusp, um, and, you know, we'll, we'll go over that. Uh, let's quickly talk about everyone's favorite draft pick. (laughs) The, our third round draft pick Dorian Williams, um, So first and foremost, before we we talk about the pick, um, a lot of people probably have seen um, Bean's um, podcast interview that he did the other day, where he pretty much alluded to the fact that um, getting, you know, letting go of Edmonds might have been part of the plan. Um, You know, that it was kind of strategic that even though, you know, he's great at one thing, he tended to be lacking at, at something else, um, depending on if if there was a mismatch. Um, And he talked about a lot of those, you know, a lot of the slot guys and, you know, the speed and, um, and that there being a mismatch there. So I think that he kind of alluded to the fact that we are going to be more aggressive and he wanted us to be, you know, that McDermott probably want us to be smaller, faster and, you know, when you look at especially the teams that we play twice, the AFC East, how fast they are, I think it's brilliant um, as much as we don't want to, you know, you can't replace Edmonds. So so why not go in a different route, ra- you know, go down a different route um, and and get somebody um, else? To me, Dorian Williams, um, and I've watched him play twice the whole game, not just the, the, the highlights. I watched him play against Tulsa. Um, which was one of his better games. Um, and then I watched him in the Cotton Bowl against uh, USC. And, you know, for those people comparing him to Bernard, to me, the the similarities kind of stop at draft position and size. Yes, they are very similar in size. Yes, they got drafted in the third round around the same pick. But they play very different. So I implore anyone who is interested to watch the, watch both of their tapes have it be all highlights I don't care but watch them they're both very different Dorian Williams is very physical he is fast he is faster than he looks like you know um yep. on on film he's a lot faster than he is on in his 40 and all that stuff he to me it's like see ball get ball like he would he is that kind of guy he sees the ball and he, it's like a magnet like he is going for it so um i think that the guy could potentially be our start, you know, our starting uh, middle linebacker. Um, it's kind of crazy to say it. Um, Bernard still has a chance. Um, you know, I Dotson has a chance, I believe. But I, I, I honestly think that the way that they're looking at the defense now um, is they, you know, they're not kind of, they're really not separating too much between the, the different positions. And that's why they're all about the same size and height and, and weight.
1: Well, the, the thing to me that was amazing was I never. And first of all, if you're trying to compare Williams to Edmonds, stop. No stop.
0: point. Stop.
1: And and I I've been alluding to this whole thing with with Bean and those and in, in the franchise maybe actually not wanting to re-sign Edmonds for quite a while. I you know I I know he's big, but he didn't he did not play as big as he is. He was a drop coverage guy. He was a run guys down, make plays in space. But with our lack of size inside on the defensive line, guards and centers climb up on linebackers instantly. He was he wasn't that great at shedding blocks and wasn't that great at taking on offensive linemen. The thing about Williams is, and you talk about is he not as physical? Yes, he probably isn't, but he's gone. He doesn't need to be physical. He is a, you you made a great point. I think
2: he, I think he actually is very physical. Well, no, he's physical.
1: Right. He's He's, physical. But the point I was trying to make was, and you said it earlier, I was going to give you props, was that he runs so well. He's going to run stuff down, see ball, get ball, like you said. Yeah. He can stick his face in there. I, I miss, I said that a little bit wrong, but. What I, the point i was trying to make was we want to make this big comparison to edmonds and make this believe that edmonds was so big and he was so physical he didn't play physical right he didn't play to a size he wasn't a stick your face into a gap and blow people up guy he didn't do it
2: right um and i, I love has- this i love
1: this pick i think this pick is awesome and it freaked me out that so many people didn't like it I, I don't think people
2: was, knew about him as enough. Enough is right. you know you you heard of three you know you heard of Sanders Simpson in um in Campbell as the only linebackers you know right. at all. That's all anyone right. talked about. Um, but again you know I had watched him before and like I said um I really uh, you know and I'm not even saying just his highlights you know when you watch him play. He plays very much. I I think um, Daryl put it. He said, the one thing about Williams is that he plays bigger than Bernard. They're the same size, but the way he hits, the way he um, plays, it's very different. So take a look at both of them before, you know, people are, you know, still confused by the pick. I think it's actually a really good pick. Um, Do I think that he might be, you know, Edmonds year one? No, like, but either was Edmonds or year five, I should say Um, Edmonds. Edmonds his had first issues in year, year five. He struggled. He, I mean, right. he struggled his first couple of years. So, you know, that was – there was a question um, whether or not they were even going to do his fifth-year option at one point. And um, see, I disagree
1: out. with – and go ahead. I'm sorry. Finish up. And then I make no, it I was just going to say he
2: came out in, in his fifth year, and Edmonds had a great year last year. He really did. So, yes, we're all in our, our feelings a little bit um, because he, he's gone. But we just got somebody in the third round um, that I think is going to be very – complimentary to the defense that, that McD is going to be running this year.
1: I don't agree with, I don't agree with AK cash. I don't agree with it. I don't think the Lions pick of Campbell at 18 is a joke pick. Campbell's a tremendous player. Campbell is a star in that system. They're going to run more of a traditional defensive system. That's what they do. Um, I
2: left when when they picked him at 18. I was like, well, now I don't have to worry about the Bills picking him. Um right. but at the same at the same time, I was like, you know what? If someone's willing to pick him at 18, obviously, especially the 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 Lions, you know, um with with Campbell as the coach. I'm like, they obviously see something in him that I have yet to see. So, um I'm I'm ready to eat my words when he comes out and he um and he, you know, plays well and performs. My only thing is is that there wasn't a lot of linebackers in this in this draft. So do I feel like they reached a little bit? Yes. I do. I, I really do. But he was he probably the best linebacker in the draft? Yes. I mean there there's really no, you know, question about that. I but just we talked think talked about eighteen ahead, was you. kind of crazy. I we just thought eighteen about, was crazy. I,
1: I, I don't know. I don't know how picking a guy with that much production at 18 is crazy. It's just, it's mind boggling to me. And if they didn't take him and they didn't take him, he'd probably end up in Pittsburgh and do the same thing.
2: Like I um, said, I think that he was the best linebacker in the draft. And, but that, and that's why they probably felt they needed to take him early. And I am not always a but listen.
1: There's always a, but there's I'm always a question. But.
2: Dan Campbell, I, I believe, you know, I, I believe that he is smart, um, you know, especially defensively, especially for um, for linebackers. So I think that it will be fun. to Now that I don't have to worry about him pro- producing on the Bills, I can't wait to watch him for the, the Lions.
1: But before we get to the Super Chat by John here in a second, I will say this. There is an interesting thing going around right now in the NFL, and the phenomenon is this. We've devalued running backs for so long. The linebacker now is the next position that is getting devalued. Because we're not playing with three of them anymore. We're not playing with four of them anymore. We're not playing with two of them. Uh, So linebacker now has kind of met that status of a devalued position. But go ahead with the uh, Super Chat.
2: John DeFazio said, D. Williams is McDermott's response to the type of defenders he likes against the type of offense we will face in the AFC East. He is a better tackler than Edmonds now. Which is pretty much what I was saying. So thank you, John, for agreeing with me. (laughs) I love it. But I mean, the AFC East, like I said, they're just getting faster and faster. So, um, it'll be, you know, I think that what McD, you know, McDermott's going to do is he's going to be what we all complained about when it came to Frazier was he didn't attack enough. We were always off, you know, um, you know, pretty much in zone or off the ball. You had 10, 15 yards, you know, space in between everybody. We weren't attacking. We never blitzed. So, um, I I look forward to seeing uh, McD get a little bit more aggressive.
1: I think this is something we talked about Monday night, and I want to address this because I see this a lot in the the comments, and I hear this a lot. And I think the deal is this. In the old days, when your quarterback wasn't sucking up 25% of your salary cap, it was a lot easier to make luxury picks, or it was a lot easier to move down in the draft and acquire some draft picks and get a guy that was comparable to what you could have got at the spot you were just at. But I believe that teams now have to, they have to pick for, and this goes along the lines of, is the Williams pick in a third round a reach? You've got to pick for need more now than you did in the past. You don't have the luxury to always take best available. You've got to pick need because you have to build a big core of your team through the draft. Because you can't afford, you know, you can maybe go get one high-priced free agent, maybe two, or moderately priced right. guys. But you just can't go out and open up a checkbook anymore because you've got Josh Allen making the money he's making. Or you've got Aaron Rodgers. Or you've got, you know, Lamar Jackson. So it's the way teams are being built nowadays, it's different. And, and I think that so when we make these comments about, oh, they could have just traded down 10 picks and still got – you know, Campbell, maybe not. So if you got the guy there that you want and you know, you want him, you got to make that pick.
2: Right. Well, the last pick was um, that we're going to talk about is um, the round five pick uh, one hundred and fifty, Justin shorter, also out of uh, Florida. Um, to me, you know, he, he hasn't played a lot. He transferred to, um, to UF. He was at Penn state originally Um the one thing that I will say with him is a lot of people don't know in 2018 during the recruiting cycle, he was the number one wide receiver recruit um, it, going into college. So he was ahead of Jamar Chase and he was ahead of Jalen Waddell. So the, like he was standing out now he didn't quite have the, the years he, he wanted to at Penn state. So he transferred to UF and, um, and UF didn't quite have the season that they wanted to with whether or not it was injuries and, um, and whatnot. I really hope um, he can be who they're projecting him to be. Guy is big, um, physical. Um, the one thing that we always said that frustrated us last year was drops. Um, we got two guys in this draft that are known for not dropping the ball. Kincaid and shorter are both two guys that have sure hands. Um, the one thing that I, I I tend to tell everybody: watch Shorter. I hated UF, but I um I definitely um loved watching him with with Richardson. Um, he has the like, pretty much Richardson would throw the ball and just loft it, and Shorter can track it down. Um, yeah, yeah, no, so, that's
1: a good assessment because we we know Richardson just threw the ball up
2: yeah that's what it was you know he just <laughs> threw the ball up and and so and shorter was is physical enough to do the 50 50 balls and stuff like that right. which is what i have been clamoring for i kept on saying i wanted a big body uh wide frame you know still decent speed but someone that can run routes and that was physical and we got this the guy's 230 um i think that and he has really good route running he's more of a vertical threat um but, you know, I think he's going to compete with um with Davis being out there. Um, I don't think he'll be a starter anytime soon. I think he'll he'll come in um, you know, to kind of spell uh Davis and stuff. Um but I'm I I like it. I think it's a good pick. Uh, I think it, it was, you know, fifth round was a little questionable for me. I felt like he would probably have been there in the sixth, but then we traded our sixth round pick so um for uh for more next year. So I like it. And I think that he's going to be comfortable. He's got um, both Torrance and he's got Elam from last year, um, you know, which he knows both of them. So he'll be feeling like he's comfortable already knowing people. So how did you feel about the, the pick? Uh,
1: I like the size. That gives us two wide receivers over 6'4", that we picked in the draft. Think the other
2: one, one, it's not going to make the team.
1: No, the other one's the tight end that they picked Oh, the okay. I'm
2: like, yeah, I'm like, I thought you meant uh Shavers or whatever his name is. No, I'm like he's we picked, two, we picked two
1: wide we picked two wideouts. One just happens to be a tight end. No, I like the shorter pick. I mean, he's he's definitely gotta get some polish to him. Um, I think he's he's gonna have to learn his routes, uh, do his route running a little better. I think he was a two route guy, kind of a go ball, um, and a, and a post guy. Um, but he's <laughs> physical, he's huge uh you know i think he will help us in the land of smurfs that we have um, sorry i was
2: just reading john's uh comment in the <laughs> the comment section so, so that's why i left oh. <laughs> all right so
1: it's um i think it's a great pick i think it's wonderful
2: all right so uh i got to get going i got to go pick up my son from the airport you want to take us out
1: yep i will hey you listen to uh the line the gain here on the buffalo rumblings Vidcast Network, and uh, we'll be back – third. well, I don't know if we'll be back Thursday or not. Not
2: next week. No, not next week, week I'll be on a cruise.
1: Yeah, next week we'll be off, and then probably the week after that we'll be back uh, Thursday, 9 Eastern, 8 Central. She's Sarah Larson, the big old Jerry Ostrowski. As always, go Bills and one love.
2: Go Bills.